Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. guys saw it like on our social media Chris posted that Patrick's going to be with us and people started commenting like about the impact of the ministry like I remember this sermon that he preached 20 years ago changed my life and um, some people have come here made their way uh, to Renaissance Church this morning from far away uh, just to be with their friends but so now we have new friends Patrick and Gladys and Pande and um, would you make them feel welcome here at Renaissance Church Patrick would you come and share with us Brother Jason said, my name is Patrick. I'm traveling with my wife from Zimbabwe, Southern Africa. And we've been married for 45 years. And um, we are having fun. (laughs) We have five kids and four grandkids. So the Lord has been so faithful and so good to us. We moved to the United States in 2002. And we stayed in Wimble area, which is out of San Marcos. We lived there for seven years. And, and then my wife was pursuing her nursing degree. We had to move to Indiana. That's where she went to school, which was a disaster, because <laughs> Indiana is cold. <laughs> if you have never been there, you are not missing anything at all. <laughs> we were stuck while she was pursuing education for four years, and then we moved back to Texas. Oh, we could not wait. We settled in Kyle area near Austin for two years. And then my youngest son was finishing his program at Full Sail University in Florida. And now, obviously, his job was going to be available in Los Angeles. So we could not just throw him out there because Los Angeles is another place. (laughs) If you have never been, don't go crazy place to be. So, but we had to support him. So we moved to Los Angeles, got an apartment, we stayed with him together while he was trying to sort himself out to get a job. Finally got a job with a very reputable company. And then in 2019, the Lord said to me, it's time to pack your bags and go back to Africa. Now, coming to America in 2002, it was under political pressure. It was so bad for us. We thought, we're not going to make it. And then the Lord said in 2019, you've got to go back. Pick your bags and go. I said to God, God, talk to my wife. I'm not trying even to try that. I can't talk to my wife about those matters. And I, I started to buy some time. You know how that is. You give an excuse and things like that. And I would get up in the night and look at my wife and, and think, I'm going to tell her tonight. <laughs> but maybe tomorrow. And then finally, I, was, I got the guts to tell her. I said, you know, I feel like God is calling us to go back and leave the United States. And it's one of those moments that you think after that prayer, you say, God, take me to heaven now. Because <laughs> you know? I don't know what she's going to say. 
And uh, she looked at me. I thought, there is coming. And then she said, you know what? I feel the same way. The Lord has been talking to me. And I didn't know how to say it. And then we started packing our bags. <laughs> and it was a great sacrifice because now we've been out of Zimbabwe for 18 years. You can imagine the culture shock going back. It was like, have we ever lived here? <laughs> you know, everything. Obviously, you have another generation now, people. Those people that were after our lives have passed on. And so we have people that have no idea, who are you? Um, so adjusting back to the culture was difficult. Now, story short, God has been so gracious. Before we came to the States, we were planting churches in Zimbabwe and countries around us. We planted 22 churches in Zimbabwe, and then we went to South Africa. We have three churches in South Africa, and then we have nine churches in Malawi. So we are servicing these three countries when we are over there. That means, when I say service, that means we are doing the training for leaders and pastors and deacons and, and so forth in, in different levels of uh, leadership. That's, that's what we do. So when we went back, obviously we went back and did the same thing. And then we came up with the school. The school, we are running 85 kids there. That's a typical Christian school. The regular school has had its time. And there are strikes and teachers are not going to school because they are underpaid, so they're not happy. So they leave kids, stranded kids are on the street. So God gave us a vision to, to start this program. It's completely Christian. We do the Lord's Prayer in the mornings, and we tell them every day is church. But they love it. And God has given us that vision to expand the idea that we have, because now we know that if we invest on those kids, then you have a future for the nation, especially if they are trained in godly principles. So we are really excited to be doing that, and we, we went through COVID, and which dragged a lot of things back. Me and my wife battled COVID. It was so bad, the Delta one, the killer. It was horrible. And it's one of those times when you have this little voice, every night you go to bed, this little voice comes and says, this is your last night. And uh, some people had told us that don't go to bed because you won't get up. So you, you have to sit all night watching for your death. <laughs> but we thank God that within a month we're out of it. But um, I don't wish that to my worst enemy. It was a horrible experience. In a population of 16 million, we lost 5,000, which we say is the grace of God because we did not have anything to help anyone. The, the country's broke. Some of the things, when I think about it, you think it's not happening. For instance, if you have burglary in your house, and then you call the cops and say, we've had burglary here, blah, blah, they will say, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. We don't have fuel to come over there. So if you have fuel, if you have a gallon of gas, you can come over here and get us. <laughs> well, and thieves will be waiting for you to go, to go and get the police and drive back. They'll be waiting for you, really. And 
It's, it's, it's a tough situation. All these infrastructures have collapsed completely. Hospitals are empty. If you go to hospital, there is no medication. All they have is a bed for you to, to lie down. And they will say, okay, do you have anyone who can go and buy medication at the pharmacy? So you, you have to have someone that can go and buy medication at this pharmacy. Then the nurse will administer the medication to you. But there's nothing at the hospital. They don't, they don't, give, they don't have anything. It's just a bed. That's all there is. So in situations like that, even if you did not have faith, you will have it. It's required to, to stay alive. You need to believe God to take you through because in Zimbabwe, you don't want to be sick. You don't want to have to deal with justice because there's none. And they can bribe all the way to the high court. That's how corruption level, how bad it is. So it's one of those things that you, you pray for God's protection sincerely each day to stay alive. But we are thankful. We love what we are doing because we are not doing it for men. We are doing it for the kingdom of God. Um, my wife asked me several times when we got there, she said, how long are we staying? I said, this is the first week. <laughs> we only got here. And that, it's, it's very hard. It's, it's very difficult. We laugh about it because God is our strength. We get our strength from God. If it wasn't of God, I mean, nobody can pay me to do what we are doing. Nobody. Because it, it's, it takes a lot of you. It takes a lot of emotions and everything. So when we're trying to, to come back, then that's when they shut down the airlines and everything. So we're stuck. We could not move. We could not leave the country. Only last March, that's when we, we flew in. So we'll be here until the end of May, and then we are on our way back to Zimbabwe. Pastor Chris has been a, friends, a friend for a long time. We were talking 20 years ago, and these are some of the guys that we met when we moved to America. They loved us to death. They helped us settle in Wimberley area. And... Um, we stayed in touch. Thank God for Facebook. Stayed in touch, and, and uh, finally we are here to see this wonderful work, and we pray that this church will grow. God is going to heal a lot of people and set this place on fire for his kingdom. We really are so excited about that. And for us, when we started church, it was me and my wife and our two girls were four of us. That was in 1987. Our very first church started in the sitting room. We started the Bible study. We started to grow from there. Um, God brought us a key testimony. A lady who had been sick for 10 years came to, to our meetings. Actually, we were going house to house, giving out tracts, and we found her sitting under a tree, and she said, I'm sick. I can't walk. I'm battling with life. I don't know what it is and doctors are not helping me. And we said to her, we'll pray for you. We prayed a simple prayer. How many of you know that God can do a miracle even when you don't expect it? We prayed, and then the next day we went back there. She said, I slept well for the first time in 10 years. And uh, uh, we continued to help her, give her scriptures and so forth. And she began to invite other people, telling them there are people in town. They prayed for me, look at me. She became a testimony and started inviting her friends before we knew it. 
the ladies' ministry started to take off from one key person. That's what God will do. So God is ready if you are ready. So we are really excited to be here today. I'm going to talk about um, how we can overcome our storms. Now in Africa, we preach three hours and <laughs> I'll cut it to two and a half just for the courtesy, you know. <laughs> I cannot swim myself because swimming programs in our school system when we were growing up, it was never offered. But I'm fascinated every time when I see the ocean surfers. I watch people doing surfing in areas like Hawaii and places. So the, I want to give you a quote of this professional surfer. His name is Robert Kelly Slater. Maybe some of you are familiar with him. He was born in 1972 as an American professional surfer, best known for being crowned World Surfer League, a champion um, a record 11 times. Slater is widely regarded as the greatest professional surfer of all times. Now here is his quote that really, it really inspires me. Here's what he says, and I quote, Surfing is a mindset. When you are constantly thinking about drowning or wiping out, it's hard to stay focused and perform at your best. And then he says, turn your fear of the ocean into an advantage. And then I began to think, okay, that means when the wave is high, that's where fear is supposed to come, to think that I'm going to be buried. But then he says, turn that into advantage. And so when I watch the surfer, I see when the wave is going up, that's when things happen. I thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. Because Jesus talks about it in Mark, in Mark chapter 4, verse number 37. He says, and on the day when evening was come, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. You remember the story. He said, let us go over to the other side. And they went into the boat, and they started surfing across, going to the other side. And the Bible says, then Jesus slept at the back of the boat. That means if Jesus went to bed in the boat, what he said about crossing over was already settled. That means we are going over, that's why I'm taking a nap. But then the Bible says the storm began to rise, and immediately the water was starting to come inside the boat. And then the disciples were so fearful. They were so scared because they took their eyes from Jesus and they put their eyes on the storm. They put their eyes on the water that was coming in. You know what the devil will do? He will always show us the danger. He will always show us that we won't make it because of this. I'll tell you a story that happened in our ministry. There was a lady that came and this lady had a, a baby that was... Was she, was he one, one year? He was 18 months old. And she said, she said, these babies, when they are this age, I lose them. I have lost four. And this baby, I'm not sure it's going to make it. But I hear that you guys pray for people to be well. Now I'm thinking, oh, you lost four already? And, oh, you know, that's when the devil tells you, you don't have a chance. She lost four already, so who are you? And so we... We, I'm saying to my wife, what are we going to do? My wife held the baby and we started to pray for the baby. 
And, and then the lady said, I'm going to leave the baby here with you guys. <laughs> and, and then I'll come tomorrow. What, what do you think, what do you do when you hear that? And she just told you that they died 18 months. And is going to leave this babe with you because you have faith. You are a man of God. You, got, you have faith. I'm going to leave the baby. And the baby is now on my wife's hands. And she said, I'm leaving. Because you guys have faith. And she left. She left the babe with us. So now, even if you never prayed the prayer of faith, that's to be your first day to do it. Because now you don't know what's going to happen now if the baby dies here. What will the law say? What were you doing with the baby? Did you kill the baby? And everything else that goes with it. And as in the normal, then we begin to pray in all kinds of prayer. Because you need this miracle here or else the whole town will know about it. She's gone. And we prayed for the baby and, and the next day the baby was still there. The baby was breathing and, and she came and to see the baby and breastfeed the baby. And she said, I'm going to leave the baby again. For one more night. Because she was so scared. She was so fearful. And then the Lord healed the baby completely. And broke that case of dying. And now she has a big family. She's the happiest person ever. I'm saying this to say. That there are some things that. When you don't. Because sometimes when you look at the problem. The devil magnifies it. Makes it bigger. And you think, I'm not going to get out of this. I, I think this is it. I think I'm done. I think, I'm, I think this thing is overwhelming. We magnify by talking about it and what it can do. Then all of a sudden, we lose focus on what God is doing. But we believed God and we prayed. I mean, all night we'd get up and look at the baby. still there. We, we pray some more. We go to bed. We get up. Because now it's, it's called prayer under pressure. Because what, 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 do you th what do you think would happen if this lady came and then we said, oh, I'm sorry, we, no, we lost the baby, just as usual, you know? That means our testimony would be out of the window. But we believed God, and, and, that's, what, and that's what God will do. He will rescue you at the point when you think it's, it's difficult. I know as a nation here in America, we've gone through COVID, and uh, um, looking at the numbers, uh, if this is true, the numbers are scary. And some of you have lost relatives and friends. And, but I'm saying to you, there is still chance. Let's rise up and pick up the pieces and move on forward. And say, because the one that's on our side is greater than the one that's on the other side. We have to believe God. We have to take our eyes from the pressures of the world. We have to take our eyes from our own problems and focus on Christ. Because Christ said, we are going over to the other side. He didn't say if it's possible. He said, we are going over, that's why. And disciples were scared, but Jesus Christ was taking a nap at the back. That means, if God is with us, who can be against us? Some things might be difficult to look at, some things might be difficult to imagine. But God is with us, and the Bible says he will not leave us. He will go with us. When we think things are so difficult and complicated, Jesus Christ is with us. We have seen it firsthand, experience. It works. You might say, but for me, it has taken long. Keep holding on. Even when you fall down, write it on the ground, by the stripes of Christ, I am healed. And I'm more than a conqueror. I will make it to the end. I used to run, in, at school, I used to run a um, marathon. I don't want to try it now. But uh, what they taught us is that if you fall, for some reason, you fall. 
fall on your lane, get up and keep running. But for me, it was very hard because if I fall and people have gone five steps, ten steps, I get up, I look at them, I see the distance, it's like, forget it. I used to get discouraged so much because I'm thinking, I, there's no way I can cover this gap. It's just too much, even if I'm running, but the motivation is already gone. So when I came to the kingdom of God, some of the things that I saw, it was like very discouraging. But then I had to learn to believe the word of God. Even when things seemed very impossible, I believed that with God is possible. I can do it. I'll tell you one more story. I was, I was having a revival at this one village, and I'd been preaching about faith. You know, fiery faith. You can be healed in Jesus' name and so forth. It was fiery meeting. We were staying seven days in that area, out in the country. And one day they, they brought us, we had run out of our own water. Now they brought their, their water. I mean, Jason knows, he goes to Africa a lot. They just go to the river, boom, there you are, take it. <laughs> that's, that's what we got. Now, they, they brought it in a glass jar. And I could tell that there are some visitors inside this and little things jumping up and down and things like that. Now, they, 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 that's what they gave us. They say, this is what we drink over here. We've been drinking this forever. Now, you as a man of faith, obviously, you know, no big deal for you. I'm thinking, that's a big deal, man. Look at, look at these things jumping up and down. But what are you going to do now as a preacher? You've been preaching faith the whole week. You're going to say, no, I don't drink that. It's going to kill me. <laughs> then they're going to say, huh. So, <laughs> so this whole week, you were fooling us, eh? You don't have faith. We don't have faith. We drink it. What are you going to do, preacher? I looked at that glass. I thought, you know what? I'm going for it, man. Because <laughs> these people, they've got, I've got to prove that what I preach is real. You've got to be practical. But inside of me, I'm thinking, that's my last drink. I'm dead. <laughs> Today, after this drink, I'm going home. The revival is over. I want to die somewhere, not here. I drank that in Jesus' name. It's, it's, it's one of those things. And, and you keep thinking all night long, I don't think I'll make it tomorrow. I made it. I was so glad. But I'm saying, don't trust this at home, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I was caught just in, 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 in between reality and fact. They wanted to see if what you preach is real. I can tell you stories all night, but what I can say is that you and I have been given the same mandate. I don't know how long you pray because some people believe that the longer you pray, the better you pray five hours, things go better for you. If you, if you are that kind of a person, that's okay. That's what, what convictions are. But what I believe is there are times for prayer and there are times for commanding. There's, there's times when you have time to pray, but there are times when you don't have time to pray. There's time when you have to speak. If you read the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, you'll find that there was a man there by the name Moses. Some of you know the story, are familiar with that. The Bible tells us about Moses that he, he redeemed the Egyptians, I mean the Israelites out of Egypt. And when he got to the Red Sea, Pharaoh was behind and the mountains on the side. And then he began to cry to the Lord, what do I do? And God said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have a road, a stick, that's all he had. 
and God said, pointed to the, to the Red Sea. He pointed to the Red Sea, and the Red Sea opened up. Remember the story. And the children of Israel, here's what gets me excited. The children of Israel were complaining. The Bible says they were crying that you brought us in the wilderness so that we can die out here. Were there no graves in Egypt? Why are we here? So, uh, in, in a situation like that, and Moses is the leader of the church, there's no time to say, I'm going to pray a five-day fasting and prayer before I come back with the answer. <laughs> there is no time for such because Pharaoh is right here and the Red Sea is right here. There's no time even for five minutes prayer, man. You're good to do something. And so Moses beside, decided to speak. God respects us. He does. And you know what he told them? He said, this Pharaoh that you see, you will never see him again. <laughs> you, you, you won't find that statement anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> Moses created the statement because the Bible doesn't talk about Pharaoh being, you know, buried in the water or anything. He doesn't talk about that. But Moses was able to speak something into existence. He said, you'll never see this guy again. I guess Moses, when he said that, he goes, oops, what did I just say? Did I just promise these people that God will do something? If, if I was Moses, I would go somewhere and say, God, you just heard what I told them. You better show up. Because these people eat my lunch. And yet God recommended and God respected what Moses said. So I'm saying this to say, it's not about the length of prayer. It's about sincerity of prayer. Trusting God as our Father. We have been raised by parents. When you want something, do you go and fast and pray a long prayer? Or do you beg your father for many, many hours for one thing? <laughs> you just say, Dad, I need a bike. That's all, you have, that's all it takes. But if you repeat that five times, your dad will say, you are out of your mind. There's something going on in your head. But if, I, I, heard the, I heard you the first time when you said you need a bike. I'm your dad. So I'm saying this to say, when we battle with things, we struggle with things, it's, it's not a matter of thinking that maybe I'm bad, maybe I don't know how to pray, maybe my prayer is weak. It's not like that. Our God is our Father. When we speak things, He understands, He hears us. So small things, big things, He hears us. He honors what comes out of our heart because He's our Father. When we pray to Him, we, we call Him Father, Dad. We say, God, help us in this situation. Maybe some of you are hurting right now. There's pain in your life. There's pain in your spirit about things that have happened, about things that, have, that are behind you, about loss of family members and friends, about commotion in the family. There's some pain that is happening. All you need to say is, God, I'm here, and I need your healing. I need your physical healing. I need... Uh, I need your mental healing. Lord, help me. It's, it's, it's that simple. And our God hears us. When I was growing up in God, I, I thought there were people out there that are special who know how to pray. That's why they get their stuff sorted out. But then I remembered when Jesus was dying on the cross, there were three people that died there, that died with him. And the other on the left, the other on the right. One was a robber. The other one said, Come off the cross if you're the son of God. The other one said, well, we know why we're here, but, but he's innocent. And he said, remember me in your kingdom, Lord. 
And Jesus said what? I'll be with you in paradise today. That was a short prayer. And he never said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to be baptized and you need to do this ceremonial processes and you need to go through this and get a, a nice uniform and we'll soak you in the water before you talk like that. He said, I'll be with you in paradise. The shortest prayer changed everything. That means his life was transformed when Jesus was dying on the cross because God is a gracious God. He doesn't care about what we've done. You know what the devil does? He shows us things that we've done and some things that we've already confessed about. We've confessed to God and, and we've asked forgiveness. But when the devil comes, he shows us those things. The Bible says he comes to steal and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have life in abundance. I urge you, don't look back. Just rise and look forward and keep your eyes on Jesus. Even when things are coming your way, just keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are not going to focus on our problems. We are going to focus on Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus. There is guarantees for success of our lives. May the Lord God bless you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.